gospel this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 30, and can be found on page 1596 in your pew Bible. Luke records, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled the scroll up, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. And truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land that Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet no one, not one of them, was cleansed by not one of them was cleansed, only Nahum, uh, the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd, and he went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So... So far during this epiphany season, it's, it's been pretty happy. Let me remind you of what we have been 
witness to in our gospel. The Magi worshipped the Christ child. John the Baptist and his followers witnessed an epiphany of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism. You remember with the sun in the water, the Spirit descended as a dove, and the Father proclaimed Jesus as his beloved Son. And then Jesus revealed himself as he transformed water into wine. So, so far, the epiphany has been about worshipers and followers and believers. Today is different. Today, we hear that Jesus' epiphany angered the people of Nazareth so much that they tried to throw him off a cliff to his death. We learn that while some people rejoice in God's epiphany, others react in anger and extreme prejudice. Jesus began teaching in the synagogues of Galilee, and the quality of his teaching caused the report of his teaching to spread. And naturally, when he returned to his hometown of Nazareth, the people They expected him to teach in their synagogue as well. And so the message began well enough. As Luke records, as Jesus rose to read, the attendant handed him the roll of Isaiah, and it was opened to the reading of the day. This reading was a gospel message that was based on the year of the Lord, which was also known as the year of Jubilee. Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was a financial reset that God commanded every 50 years. It's recorded in Leviticus, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. And it shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. If your brother becomes poor beside you and sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave." He shall be with you as a hired worker and as a sojourner, and he shall serve with you until the year of Jubilee. Then he shall go out from you, he and his children with him, and go back to his own clan and return to the possession of his fathers. That's Leviticus 25, verses 10, 13, 39 through 41. This was a big deal. Can you imagine? All the land reverted to its original owners, and all of the Hebrew slaves were set free in Jubilee. Now, Isaiah stated that God was preparing a year of the Lord that would be like the year of Jubilee. 
And in this case, the Lord would free people. The Lord would free people from sin. Now, if you examine the context of these words in Isaiah, you will notice that even though Isaiah ministered over 700 years before Jesus was even born, he still followed Jesus' instructions to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Isaiah gave an account of the many sins of Israel, and he called them to repent. And then in chapter 60 of Isaiah, he begins a proclamation of forgiveness. He says, the captives and the prisoners in this prophecy are not just the captives and prisoners of the political enemies of Israel, but they are also captives and prisoners of sin. So the words that Jesus read on that day were from the middle of that great proclamation of the forgiveness of sin that Isaiah proclaimed to all of Israel. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and all the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Luke 4, verses 20 and 21. So basically, Jesus pointed to himself as the fulfillment of this prophecy of forgiveness. For we know Jesus is the bearer of good news. Jesus is the binder of the broken heart. Jesus is the liberator of the captive. Jesus is the opener of the prison. Jesus is the bringer of the year of jubilee. Now Jesus identified himself as the forgiveness that Isaiah that Isaiah, by the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke of in this message to Israel. And Jesus identified himself as the kingdom of God come down to earth to save his people from sin. Now those, those who heard these words, they responded in amazed confusion. All spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Luke 4, 22. Now, all of their lives, the people in that synagogue, in that service, had heard Rabbi speak of the one who would come. The one who would come and, and set the captives free. Now, all of a sudden, this Jesus guy walks in and says, I'm the fulfillment of the prophecy. I am here to set you free. And the crowd is in shock. And at first, Jesus' teaching style, they'd impress them. But then they became suspicious. 
And they said something like this. Is this not Joseph's son? Can you just imagine someone say, hey, you know what? My wife used to babysit him. Or I remember when he and his father, Joseph, used to build things together. He's just a local kid. Who does he think he is? That's saying that he's the fulfillment of prophecy? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he called them on it. He said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Luke 4, 24. And then he gave them the examples of Elijah and Elisha. He said, Elijah stayed with a widow during a great famine. Not just any widow, a Gentile widow. And Elisha healed a general. Not just any general, but a Gentile general of the Syrians who were the sworn enemies of Israel. And in both cases, Israel rejected the prophets of God. And in both cases, God sent his prophets to bless the Gentiles. Now the men of Nazareth very quickly followed the examples of their ancestors. Instead of recognizing their own, their own hardness of heart, and they should have been repenting, but they did not, they acted to kill Jesus. And that is when they tried to throw him off the cliff. Now, we know while Jesus came into this world to die, he came to die at a specific time and in a specific place. And Nazareth was not the place, nor was this the time. And we read in Luke 4, verse 30, but passing through their midst, he went away. And those last three words, he went away. They're very sad. Jesus had given an epiphany to the people of Nazareth and they rejected it. He offered salvation and freedom from sin to them and they tried to throw him off a cliff. Humanity has a sad, a very sad history of rebellion against God's grace. The Old Testament is full of rebellion, some of which is utterly obscene. And one of the saddest passages of the Old Testament involves the prophet Ezekiel. The Lord allowed the Babylonians to carry him into exile, but then the Holy Spirit gave him a vision of the temple. And in this vision, God himself gave Ezekiel a tour a tour of the abominations that Israel practiced within the very temple courts. What were those? Well, it was the worship of animals, the worship of the sun, the return of spring, and so forth. And he gave him this tour, and we read about it for chapter after chapter. But we know that eventually God stood on the threshold to the temple. And then God left 
the temple and ascended to the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. And then the Lord left Jerusalem altogether. The people had rejected God's care for them, and therefore God left. They rejected him, and he left. Jerusalem, Jerusalem was without protection, and it would not be long, we read, until Babylon would return once again to destroy Jerusalem, to destroy the temple. Now, in more modern times, we have Martin Luther's warning to the councilmen of the cities of Germany. Martin Luther told it like it was. People didn't like to hear what he said. Listen to what he wrote. He said, you should know that God's word and grace is like a passing shower of rain, which does not return where it has once been. It has been with the Jews, but when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have nothing. And Paul, Paul brought it to the Greeks, but again, when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have the Turk. Rome and the Latins also had it. But when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have the Pope. And the Germans need not think that you will have it forever. For ingratitude and contempt will not make it stay. Therefore, seize it and hold it fast, whoever can. For lazy hands are bound Lazy hands are bound to have a lean year. The most destructive theme in history is the theme of rejection of God's salvation. For after a time of rejection, God will leave. Will you reject his gifts until he leaves you? Well, of course not. You haven't. And may this never be. The year of Jubilee is an object lesson in the history of the nation of Israel. The prophet Isaiah used it to point to Jesus. And just as Israel was free, or was too free, the slaves during the Jubilee, so also Jesus came to free the slaves. In his case, he came to free those who were slaves to sin. And he did this by letting Roman soldiers nail him to a cross. And as he hung on that cross, he earned the freedom of the Jubilee year for the sins of all of mankind. And Jesus wants to give us the gifts that he purchased for us with his holy life, his suffering, and with his death. And he wants to give the gifts that he authenticated with his resurrection from the dead. He wants to tell us how his death on the cross has freed us from our captivity has opened our eyes to his salvation 
and liberated us from sin's oppression. Jesus truly is the fulfillment of God's promises. He is the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. And he has preached the good news of the kingdom of God. And he has shown us the light of his salvation. And with his life, and with his suffering, and with his death on the cross, he has freed those who were oppressed by sin. And with his resurrection, he offers the Lord's favor to us. And he gives these things to us through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith. Now God has promised all of these things to us. He has promised all of these things to us. And today, they are fulfilled in your sight and in your hearing. In the name of Jesus. Amen.